myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past I'm dwelling on the thoughts I cannot say to you If I don't say the words then maybe Good evening, welcome to NUFC Matters. It is the three amigos, the perfect start to your NUFC weekend. Um, Steve Hasty and I are here. No Mitch tonight, having a week off. Uh, Keith Patterson is on his way. He's at a hotel. Um, I've just had a text from him to say so. Uh, Keith is on his way. Uh, but as always, plenty to talk about for the next couple of hours. And football is yeah. coming home, but it's coming home to St. James's Park, Steve. So uh, we don't have to worry uh, about uh, penalties and anything like that. It's a friendly tomorrow, which uh, I'm sure we'll get onto a little bit later in the show. But um, Steve, first of all, something which I know you and I could probably talk about for the next half hour on our own, to be honest. And uh, Chris Mark come in quite early with uh, this one about the Club World Cup bollocks, as he uh, politely calls it. It's yet another money-making scheme, isn't it? Probably by the same people who wanted us to set up the European Super League. Money first, players second, fans last. What the hell is this all about, Steve? You, you know, my, my first thought was this is Gianni Infantino bringing in his own European Super League under a different head and something to keep uh, a bunch of European uh, Super League supporting clubs happy, um, especially after it, it, it coming and the announcement coming only a day after the European uh Parliament's uh, inquiry uh, that said that the European Super League uh, couldn't happen and then that the UEFA were in their rights. But this is FIFA. It's not UEFA. This is FIFA getting in ahead of UEFA and now trying to take control of clubs. You know, so they've, they've already got control of the of, of the countries. Now they're trying to, to bring in their own tournament. And it is. It's kind of like a European Super League, but with invited guests Guests from all around the world, you know, you'll have the, you'll have clubs from South America, you'll have clubs from the Far East, you'll have clubs from the Middle East, you'll have clubs from Central Europe, you'll have clubs from Western Europe, from Eastern Europe, uh, and and probably from the USA as well. So it's it's a, it's it's going to be a it's going to be interesting to see how it develops. Um, for me, it's just another uh, sort of smash and grab by FIFA, smash and grab by Infantino. Um, you heard him today. I mean, dear me, he starts off apparently in 2018. The best World Cup ever was the World Cup in Russia. Today, the best World Cup ever is the World Cup in Qatar. You know, he's 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 like Mr. Ben, isn't he? You know, he changes his suits to suit the situation. You reminded me of that woman that used to come on, and for the older older people might remember some of our older viewers. Uh, even you might remember Steve on the on the Morton Why show. When uh, the lady used to appear at the end of the program, and she was, "Oh, I love you all! I love you all!" And that's what he was like today. You know, you're all brilliant. I love you all. You've done a fantastic World Cup. Just repeating what he said the last time he had a bit of time in front of the cameras in 2018. You guys, you guys are completing that joke. But you know what? What is also happening, which is just as important with FIFA, is that we've now got the situation of the closed shop. We've got we we, we thought we were getting away, didn't we? From from the likes of, of Sepp Blatter, who reigned supreme for so long. You know, I think he had, what, three or four um, completely um, sort of wrapped up, absolutely boxed off um, presidencies throughout his period. Infantino, he's already been voted for a second and now he's going to be voted in, or has been voted in, it looks like, for, for another period of time, which 
could probably see him for the next nine years running FIFA. The very thing that he said he wanted to get away from, which was the fiefdom that, that Sepp Blatter and his people brought in, now Infantino, once his feet are under the table, is doing exactly the same. And he's done it worldwide by offering not only something for countries, but also something for clubs. Masterstroke from his point of view and perspective, I just wonder how you're going to fill in all these games, Steve. How is the calendar going to fit in a 32-game club tournament? Is it going to be a winter tournament, I wonder? Is it going to be, is it going to be always based perhaps in Qatar, um, where it just so happens that Infantino has a lovely mansion provided by the Qatari authorities? Who knows? It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it develops. It's going to be interesting to see how UEFA react because uh, this is impacting not only on the, the clubs in the leagues that we run, but also on the UEFA Champions League because it's competition for that. Yeah, it's crazy, to be honest. It's just another another tournament. Pablo says he used to like the CWC with the Euro champ winners and the Americas. It was great to see teams like Boca and Sao Paulo, etc. But, yeah, I mean, I can understand something like that being of interest, but I just, I, you know, it is just another competition. And like Steve says, when on earth can we, you know, cram this in? It, it just, none of it really makes sense. None of it makes sense at all. And maybe it's just somebody, you know, uh, you know, getting there. You know, get, getting their face in the papers, it's sometimes as, as daft as that, you know what I mean? Just making noise for the sake of making noise because they've enjoyed the bit of publicity they've had from the World Cup. So let's let's continue it, you know, let's say something else. You know, and dipping their toe in the water, they might have been approached by somebody to do this. And, you know, where there's, where there's these kind of competitions, there's money and there's big backing. And um, it could just be people trying to get in the back door, you know. Uh, but yeah, look, it is... It, it, you know, it is crazy and so cynical, Steve says Chris. I'm sure he has mansions in many corrupt countries. Um, <laughs> and it is too crowded, Pablo. Uh, I love the passion of it, but, but it will be finance driven 100%, mate. 100%. There's no doubt about that. Um, okay. Um, if you've got any points or questions that you want us to raise, um, feel free to drop them in the chat. We'll, we'll try and get to some of them. I did have a couple which I saved because sometimes. People do send us a, a question and yeah. send us a message on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Good evening, Keith. Hi, how are you doing? All right. Good to all see right, you, mate. Good to see you. Well, I'll tell you what, Keith. Well, I'll, I'll give you the opportunity just to just to talk about this new competition that Infantino has mentioned today. Um, a 32-game, um, 32-team, was it? Or 32-game competition that he suggested running today, um, you know, in three years' time. I mean, it's another money-making scheme, Keith. Another... Another attempt to, to drive some kind of, you know, finance towards, you know, some, you know, some games. And, and Steve's just made a really valid point. I mean, where do we squeeze all these games in if, if we do do these kinds of things? I think, I think when you say the inconvenience caused by putting the World Cup in a country that requires uh, it to be played at Christmas, I don't think you'll get a better example demonstrating what Qatar's just done. And um, in years to come, I think, I think it's got to be considered, you know, taking into consideration that that they've got to think of fans, they've got to think of people travelling, but they've also got to think of the leagues because these leagues are competed by businesses, companies, rather than just sports people. You know, it's, it's big business. It's multi-million pound, multi-billion pound business now. So to turn around and say, well, the traditional four-year cup is going to be scrapped, a bit like the ESL would de devalue the FA Cup and a bit like they would scrap the Carabao Cup and a bit like they would do it. They've got to stop and realise that this is a... It, it, it's nothing without supporters. And whilst there's a lot of money to be made, there's a question to be asked as to, as to whether they just you know, 
act sensibly because will it, what difference will it make? I mean, I know over 12 years, if you do it every three years, you get four World Cups rather than the current three. But is, is it doable? Is it feasible? And for, for me, I just think they're getting it. I, I think money's coming first. I, I saw with interest the, uh, the, the spat between the ESL um, people and the, the, the FIFA and UEFA people. It's, gone to, it's just gone to judgment and there's an opinion come out of that. It all hinges on money. You know, the, 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 the ESL, of all people, being a cartel, have, have taken UEFA and FIFA on as being, a, being anti-competitive. It's, it's staggering, you know, like, like John, John Allen said was, uh, yesterday, he said, you know, until the takeover, during the takeover, people said that the competition law wouldn't come into it. And um, it's amazing where everybody's now jumped onto competition law and everybody's trying to use that as a means of, um, of getting their own way. When you talk about World Cups, and you talk about... I mean, FIFA and UEFA appear to have won the first round because um, the challenge put to them about anti-competitive behaviour is going to be thrown out. It's going to be... It appears it's going to be thrown out and uh, ESL will lose. And that could be the final nail in the ESL coffin. That said, within, within, within the day of that coming out, Alfatino can turn around and says, well, now we're going to have three, uh, four World Cups every 12 years rather than three. And it, it, it's, it's, I don't know, it's staggering, Steve. I, I'm not just sure where... There's been, it's been a fascinating World Cup, this, but there's been a lot wrong with it as well. You know, there's been a lot of things wrong with it. And for him to go in for the kill and, and announce another mini World Cup is just staggering. And it'd be, before long, I think there's a danger. I think, I think you'll find that it won't be just Carabao Cup. I think it'll be the Premier League. I think the games of playing each team Twice in the season will be challenged. I think. I think our own leagues will get challenged. So, Steve Ace, he's lit the right on the button. You know, he's he's he's. I, I, I'm not going to say you're traditionally Steve, but I think you appreciate everything that's good that's right with a modern game. And I think if these people come in and 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 card blanche, just do what they fancy. I don't think you'll recognise football in ten years. I don't think it'll even look like the game that we've supported. Yeah, talking about uh, new owners coming in, Steve. Um, Bournemouth got a new owner. Uh, American, American. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, just, just remind us, Steve. Was it, um, was it eighteen months, twelve months? How long did that take? Uh, eight weeks. <laughs> wow. Eight weeks. I think it started in. Uh, I think it was announced in October, and uh, here we are at the beginning of December or the middle of December, and uh, it's it's been ratified. Amazing, absolutely amazing. The guy's come in and he said he's gonna. He's 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 already warned the the partners that he that he brought in that he he acts as a dictator. And uh, it's his word on the, on the high road. Um, this is interesting. It, it's, it's going to be quite a power struggle there. Um, but it's also going to be very, very interesting for, for how it uh, evolves within the uh, within the Premier League itself, within the board and within among the clubs. Because uh, I think there's going to be a power struggle starting soon. I think there's going to be quite a battle taking place. I think the, the, the demand for change... Um, the, it's interesting that just at this point, the government was talking again about um, legislating for um, bringing in their own regulator and saying that, yes, what was in the in the Tracy Crouch review will will be implemented. But it's not going to be until 2024. Could be too late by then, you know, the, 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 because the, because these these guys know what they're doing. These guys will will drive a coach and horses through any rules or regulations or, or new laws that people try to impose on them. And I don't think we really have an idea of what this regulator is going to be 
going to be powered with or empowered with and what, what powers they will be will be granted and how they'll be able to control uh, the money men. I think it's very, very difficult. We've seen with Ofgem and we've seen with all the other regulation, regulatory bodies how difficult it is. I mean, you, you look at Ofgem and they'll just turn around and go, um, oh, yeah, just put the prices up. Oh, yeah, just put the prices up. Will, will the football regulator be exactly the same? Will he just go, yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. I don't understand it because at the end of the day, the big issue with the football regulation is that everybody needs to, to sort out is the financial aspect of how the games run and and how what the financial backing that, that owners have, where the money's coming from, what they're doing with it. It's not so much in the Premier League um, as lower down the leagues where you see what's happened to clubs like Wigan and, and Berry and, and clubs like that, uh, clubs that have been forced into administration of, or basically uh, destroyed because uh, the way the owners have, have taken control of the club and then destroyed it. Um, that's where the, the, the FSA and where most of the football fans seem to be uh, concerning themselves, but it's what's happening at the very top. That's what's happened. That's what worries me. And you're right, Dave Spike, you will be selling black bin bags on the fast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Keith, I mean, that takeover going through in eight weeks, I mean, you know, it, it, it's a travesty, isn't it, really? I mean, you know, uh, you know, how can due diligence be done in, in such a short space of time when I was dragged on for so long? I know I was was, was, was completely different in, in a lot of respects, but a takeover is a takeover. And I mean, you know, you would have thought that they would have at least, uh, you know, strung it out a little bit longer. I think I think that the answer is simple. Now that it's over with, we can say things that we couldn't say then. The reason the takeover goes through in eight weeks is because a natural takeover in a business with the speed of work and the, the fact that we've got digital references and digital financing checks can be made, is it realistically is a four-week process. That's, that's how long a takeover should take. It should be a four-week process, maximum eight weeks. But the reason that you look at ours and say what went wrong there is because you had a cartel of six companies working with the seventh company in Qatar, working with the EPL, so it's eight, eight businesses working together in a cartel um, illegally trying to stop a takeover. So it wasn't a case of how long hours took to go through. It was how, how long they could prolong hours and how illegally they could act to prevent hours going through. So I, I would never look at our takeover and judge it on the time it took. It was a scam. Um, if they'd gone into a courtroom, it would have smashed them to pieces. You wouldn't. The EPL, if they'd gone to a courtroom and been found guilty of the cartel that Boris Johnson called them, wouldn't be recognisable in the body of the end of day. They, they, they avoided a major bullet. But the time for hours was they tried for a year and a half to derail it. And at that point, I think the likes of Nick DeMarco sat them down and said, you need to settle this. You, know, you, you need to prevent these cases going into court. And I don't think they'd ever would have settled it in an arbitration because they'd have had a two to one majority on the bench. But they knew they knew that the public and then we find out later on even the government was supportive of it. But it's it's intriguing, Steve, that you say that because today we, we sit in a world think think of the last six months we've been abused for six months about being Saudi owned and about taking dirty money, about human rights and all the things. Have I mistaken something is Man United not praying for KSA or Saudi money now. Is everybody not trying to get Middle Eastern money? Are Liverpool not trying to get Middle Eastern money? I think they're all trying to do it. And what's come out is when um, when uh, the Glazers looked for funding for 700 million, 
they went to Saudis. I mean, our Romans confirmed that. And they backhailed it. They didn't want 30% of Man United for 700 million. Why would you? Why would you not take a club further up the league than them for 300 million? Then secondly, Liverpool, you know, they, they had a reasonable owner. You know, their, their, their owners were doing a reasonable job and giving them success that they hadn't seen for, for decades. But again, as soon as they start not competing, as soon as they start this season and slipping, they too automatically have lost this term. The term, it's jumped off their computer. It doesn't exist in their vocabulary. And it's called sports washing. That's gone. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. So now they all want a bit of what we've got. And what's annoying them more than anything is the biggest organisation in the whole of MENA, MENA world is PIF. And so they know whatever they get, they get the scraps off the table. And and you'll have seen it. I mean, you know, this week, those people, those people from Leicester having a pop at us, saying, ah, it's disgraceful what you've got. You're so up your own backside. You, you so think you're going to be something. <laughs> no, we're not. We actually enjoy and grown. We enjoy and what it feels like to be in third in the league. That, that's, that's just a great feeling. I mean, it must be better to be second, but it's a hell of a lot worse being 16th. So, so when we third in the league, this is like party time. It's like, you know, fill the drinks. And, and everybody's chewing on with us. But the same people that's chewing on with us are actually asking it for their own clubs. Well said, Keith. 100%. It, uh, I agree with you. Um, and, 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 you know, for me, I'm just pleased I was went through. And, you know, I'll be forever thankful for that as, as we look ahead now to the you know the, the start of the the season again, the restart of the season. Definitely. And that, obviously starting with the, the friendly tomorrow, we'll look at that uh, a little bit later on. Um, there was a couple of talking points. So this was the first one. Oh, yeah. David Cook just wanted to say this. Excellent show once more. Great to hear Steve, Hasty, Mitch and Stu share their Saudi experiences. Such events may be part of our future for fans. Uh, but although you, Steve Wraith and Keith, don't seek any prowess, we so much appreciate what you both did to contribute to getting our club back and look forward to a wonderful future. Thank you so much. That was posted on our Facebook page. Yeah, Thank yeah. you very much Brilliant. for that, David. Um, and this one, uh, no, this one, sorry. Uh, Stephen Kennedy, uh, he went, NUFC matters is up there with some of the best. But then again, when you work with the best, the results are usually great. Pleased for the intrepid three. Even when I take the piss, I'm still in awe of them. Their recognition is great for the NUFC Matters brand and family. Isn't it great for the channel that we can all enjoy it now with bloody big smiles on our faces? Thanks to Amanda et al. for the dream and to Eddie and his team and all the playing staff for driving hard to make the dream come true. A work in progress? Yes. A work worth watching and waiting for? Uh, waiting 14 years for? Hell yeah. Hardly ever miss an episode either, live or on catch-up after work. Varied content, hard facts, informative opinions and great fun all held together by a skillful host. Well, thank you. It's part of a lot of people's lives now. So all of you and all the subscribers and members, long live and prosper. And let's remember, as the carpenter said, we've only just begun. Uh, Stephen, thanks Brilliant. for that, mate. Honestly, you, you know, those kind of things coming through. I've had a bad week this week. I don't mind saying it. I think people should always talk about it when they're not having a good week. I'm spreading me mum's ashes tomorrow. And um, it's been very difficult. I've had, a, I've had a bit of a relapse this week with me mum. So... It's important to talk. Um, that doing the show gets me through um, many situations. Um, but yeah, it's been a tough week this week. Christmas was always going to be hard. And me and Steve had a little chat before we came on tonight. And he says, you know, the fact that I keep myself busy a lot um, probably, you know, probably helps. And it does help. That's why I've always kept myself busy. That's how I deal with my mental health. And yeah, it's been a tough week. I do miss me, ma'am. Still do. 
I'm going to see a proper goodbye to one tomorrow with um, my brother and our two sisters. But, uh, yeah, the support of everybody out there and the stuff that's come in, like the positive stuff that's come in like that this week, far outweighs the daft troll stuff that we often get. I've got to be honest, don't want to tempt fate, touch wood and all that, but it has calmed down a lot um, since the takeover. Still get the odd one, but... You know, from my perspective, um, I've always dealt with that in my own way by ignoring it and reporting it and just moving on. But you know what? Those two messages today from David or this week from David and Stephen, they're worth their weight in gold. And I do read every one. I read the criticism and I do read the praise. And just want to say thank you to, to David and to Stephen for sending those messages in because they meant a lot, you know, meant a lot this week. It, it helped me, you know, massively. The figures as well came out. I did share them on social media, yeah. but... um. I just want to thank the guy. I mean, I thank everybody who watches on YouTube. It's great. You know, we have such a following on YouTube and, you know, we've hit 49,400 subscribers today. Um, you know, we're hedging towards 50,000. I know Paul Gallant's often in the chat. He's in there tonight. He's, um, he's, he's, you know, he's along with all the moderators, always pushing the channel and getting it out there. And it does help. Um, I do feel that the true crime and the news of the world show do help this channel along a little bit more than maybe, maybe, you know, I care to admit. People do enjoy it. I've managed to get back into a couple of those this week. Um, And I don't think people mind the the mix. So I'm probably going to, you know, although I'll remain and and call the channel NUFC matters, we'll continue to create content for for a little bit of a diverse audience. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make any apologies for bringing that back. But I do want to thank those who listen on the podcast because I don't often say thank you to those guys. And um, just to show you, uh, 355 episodes in a year, um, 38 countries it's reached, 146% increase in streams and 24,600 uh, minutes um, people have listened to on Spotify alone. That's just Spotify um, you know that they they are kind enough, like YouTube, to provide you with yearly figures. Um, and and you know, I, I guess when you do the content, you're going to get the hits. But you know, thank you again, everyone who just listens on Spotify or other podcast providers for uh, for tuning in. And big thanks to Neil at Media Arts, who does that free. He uploads them for free. He sticks them on there. I know people when I was doing the Sears film had a had a you know a bit of a nightmare because he didn't have any for three or four weeks. But um, Neil's back on the case now, so you should be getting your weekly fix. But thanks everybody out there as well for tuning in. Uh, it does mean a lot. Okay, uh, the other talking point was was this one, uh, Steve, and it, it, I guess it, ni- it nicely segues. I was going to start with this until today's news from Infantino, uh, but Martin Ziegler and I and I only picked this up on Twitter because I don't follow Martin, but I'd noticed you responded, Steve, as you often eloquently do, and obviously a massive blow for those clubs pushing for a European um, Super League. Um, you know, the, the European Court of Justice first ruling backs UEFA's right to approve new competitions. The Advocate General's opinion, which is usually followed by the court, states that the FIFA UEFA rules under which any new competition is subject to prior approval are compatible with EU competition law. Now, you know, again, that's something we discussed months ago on this show, Steve. Uh, you, Stu and Mitch, who I tend to turn to for my knowledge and advice on these kind of things. You, you've, you know, you've openly discussed, you know, what, what may or may not happen, but um, what your predictions were and been quite right again, Steve. Yeah, and and you know what that this this decision kind of vindicates everything that 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 football fans were saying this time last year when European Super League was first mentioned, and it also vindicates and and approves to us why there was such a scramble 
because of the financial situation with Barcelona, why Madrid were backing it, why La Liga was so anti it because those two were so for it because they could see the impact it would have on their own league. But then Juventus and what happened just last month with Juventus, where the bottom fell out of their of their club, uh, where everything's been been sort of ripped apart in terms of their business model, the way that they've been controlling things, the 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 manipulation of of uh, of figures within the, the financial uh, gambit of the way that they've been operating, um, and then Europe, then this kind of will put the nail in the coffin if you like um it's it's only a it's it's only a a, a, a synopsis it's a, it's not the fi- the final response but it's leading towards what will be at, at, at the turn of the year and probably round about april time uh, the big announcement that uh, that that ratifies if you like within within the european parliament uh, and within the commission that everything that's that's been said uh, and everything that's been tried uh, cannot take place but as I say, this is where the po- the politics of football will start to play out. This is where we'll suddenly see pressure from those three clubs and from other leagues to say, right, now that that one's been put to bed, what about the money? What about the finances? We are, and this is where the argument's going to be, we are the big clubs. We are the clubs that, that, that bring the TV revenue. Um, it's not the competition in the early, in the early stages it's people wanting to watch, and you can hear them now. It's people who want to watch Man United. It's people who want to watch Barcelona, want to watch Madrid. This is what they're saying. It's not necessarily the the the, the right answer, but it's 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 what they're saying to, to UEFA. And then this is this is where you suddenly see that pot of money and that pot of gold that they're all looking at, and they want a bigger share. And it's the greed. It's the greed of football. And. Uh, it's also why you've got the Americans coming in. We've we've discussed it many many times that the attraction of of the uh, of the of the Premier League to Americans, um, it's it's making the Premier League more and more influential. But they want to have their say in what can be coming over the horizon in terms of the money from UEFA. So European Super League gets put to bed. The worry is that something far worse is coming over the horizon. For my, that's what that's what I look at, and uh, and then of course, as we said right at the very beginning of the show, you have Infantino with FIFA suddenly wanting to step into the 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 club game. When let's face it, FIFA was football associations worldwide controlling one competition, which was the World Cup. They then they got themselves into. Uh, a, f- a few other little sort of sidelines, um, but now they're wanting to get deeply involved in the club being because the, again they see the money, they see the attraction, they see that they see the rich rewards, and it's all down to money. We know it's all down to money. It's down to greed, and uh, for for me, the good thing about the Premier League is the way that the money's divided at the moment. The fact that everybody gets a flat figure. The way that the TV deals are done, everybody gets a flat fee, and then for every game that you that you're chosen for TV, you get that little little extra. I mean, it's great for us in terms of a football club because now all of a sudden we're playing attractive football, so our club is wanting to be seen. People are wanting to watch our football club. TV channels are wanting to play, put us on. Last year we might have had eighteen or nineteen. This year we'll probably end up with twenty six or twenty seven live games, might be even more. 
will be up there in the top four. So it's more money coming into our football club. But it's the prize money and it's the it's the it's the the golden goose, the egg at the end of it that uh, everybody's chasing, and that's the 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 big European money. Um, and it's 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 going to be a, it's going to be a mad scramble over the next couple of seasons um, to see how this develops and where it goes. Um, but you know what? Like I said at the beginning, it's just all down to greed, Steve. Yes, yeah, and, and that's that's the key, isn't it? It's the key in everything we've discussed in this first half hour, Keith. Greed, yeah. greed by big people. Um, and Keith, you know, we, we we predicted this on the show that that would would eventually go nowhere. Um, you know, we just didn't expect Infantino to chuck in a curveball today with another suggestion. I think the reason he chucked the curveball, as I said earlier, was because he thinks he's won this first round of threat. But when you talk about greed, there's, there's a difference because some people. Sometimes the greediest people in the world are the richest and they just don't know when to stop and they keep on asking and they keep on demanding. And you've seen people who, who have seemed to have everything, but they want more. And then when they get more, they don't know what to do with it. And, and you've seen people who are greedy in drink. You've seen people who are greedy in life and, and, and they'll, they'll stand on anybody to, to get more wealth, more value or more income. But spare a thought because the people behind the ESL might have done it out of desperation. I think the ESL model was talked about for, somebody said four years, but reliably somebody thinks five years. So it's five being five years in the making. And then when it crashed, which was, was you know, just before our takeover, the time was phenomenal. Um, it, it wasn't so much greed, it was maybe need. And there's a big difference because greed doesn't have a, doesn't seem to have a ceiling. When you're greedy, you know, you, 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 you only have one one arsehole, but you sometimes have twelve bellies, and you you, you know you, you can't you can't deposit what comes in that belly. You keep feeding it, and that's how you end up hugely fat because the greed just doesn't stop. When you have need, it's a completely different argument. Need is where you've maybe got yourself into something, and I think five years ago when these people planned it, they would have talked about things like television rights, and they said currently at the moment. You bring in 200 million out your TV rights. If we do this, watch the numbers. It'd be very, very easy to say it's 400 million each. But what I was told reliably was that the founders of the, the ESL were going to be given 1 billion on the day it was sanctioned. So the founders of it, the creators, the people who invested in that business, which are just football clubs, they were going to come get a billion for setting it up. And then afterwards, each of the key members, that's those invited, that's, that's in our, our terms, the big six or the big five, they were going to get 300 million per season more than what they currently get out of the Premier League. So, so if, they, if they make, if, if they get Champions League and do well in the Premier League, they're making 250, 350 million as it is, just, just, on, the, just on those two aspects. Success in the Premier League plus getting, doing well in the Champions League. If someone comes along and says, we're going to give you 650, two things happen. First, you believe it. And secondly, you start living to it. It's like somebody says next year, you're getting a pay rise of 30 grand. All of a sudden, you, your four-star hotel in Spain becomes five-star. Your two-liter car becomes a three-liter. You sometimes say, let's have another burn. And then you go out, you, bu you buy dearer drinks. You stay out longer. You stop using the bus. You start using taxis. It's a, it's a way of life. And that's what these clubs have done. So if you look at the main players... You look at the main players in this, you're talking about people like Spurs, one billion in debt, 
You're talking about Barcelona, 1.5 billion in debt. You're talking about uh, Juventus, financially smashed. You're talking about Man United, financially mortgaged. You're talking about Madrid, 1 billion in debt. When you put all that together, greed's gone out the window and needs took over. There's a need to balance them books. You've, you've bought a plan, you've been five years in the maker and it's collapsed. So them companies need to find a billion from somewhere. And this was the answer. If you look at the EFL, um, the EFL uh, get, get whatever the big six EPL clubs tell them they're getting. So, so, so they just get the scraps, you know what I mean? And, and, and their needs may be greater. Their needs may be like, you know, we talk about teams like Bury where they're facing bankruptcy, but they're just going to get what the 14 clubs in the Premier League cannot get the six to give them. So they just turn around and say, well, that's the rules. Us lot need a billion out of this. So, so for me, I think when Alfred Tainos come in today, he's done what everyone would do. If, you've got, if, so, if your barrister phoned you up and said, you're going to win this round, you'd then go gung-ho and you would start thinking, well, I tell you what it is, I'm going to, I'm going to file for more money. I'm going to file for, for you know, I'm going to, I'm going to file a bigger scheme. And what Everton's done, he's gone. He said, well, we want more World Cups. That's what we want. Going, going back, I, I don't disagree that that, that it's wrong, um, but but it's expected. Um, what will happen? Well, I think Man United and Liverpool's. Planned for this, they've planned for the ESL failing. They've planned for the never being of the ESL, and they've planned because you would never sell Man United or Liverpool prior to an ESL occurring. You'd wait it happened, and that's when their shares would be at the maximum. But when it's dying, you'll then go to the market and say, "Right, we'll put our company for sale because this is the highest the market's ever going to be." And that's what we see. We're seeing we're seeing people seeing the likes of Newcastle entering the market. We see the likes of Man, Man City dominating the market. And we're seeing clubs like Liverpool and Man United coming second on, in, in money. So, so it, it's all manageable. But I think, I think be careful when you compare need with greed. But I think Spurs and certainly Barcelona, Spurs and, God, come on, Juventus desperately need monies that, that they will not get in a season. And if you think when Man United, their performance on the pitch... And you look at Spurs. I mean, are Spurs going to going to going to win the Champions League? Are they going to get two hundred plus million out of the Champions League in the next three four years? I think Arsenal's got more chance of getting than Spurs. So, 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 I'm a big anti cartel, big anti big six. However, where there's a need, I sort of sit back and think, yeah, they've been forced down that route because they bought the scam, they bought this, uh, they bought this, this whole plot which which went tits up and I think Newcastle getting in the market was a lot of cause of that but I also think it was illegal what they're trying to do um it, it's 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 uncanny that that teams like Barcelona and Madrid who are building the biggest football cartel ever the ESL is is a huge privileged cartel it's staggering that they went to the competition courts and said UEFA and FIFA were acting anti-competitively. <laughs> it's the big. How does a cartel go in and say you're anti? I mean, the the biggest form of anti-competitive behaviour is cartel, the biggest, and the the ESL is the biggest cartel that's ever walked in football. So it's it's great. 
just just on a, on a side, I spoke to Nick DeMarco um, yesterday about it, and and, and he said, I said, you know, what, what do you take on it? He, um, he he messaged a week ago, and then I messaged him back, and he, and he said, I said, what do you take on that decision? He, his opinion is, he, he, I mean, he's not a competition lawyer, he's, he, uh, but he, he he feels that the decision that's been announced will be upheld. So the decision that's been rumoured will be the answer that comes out. So FIFA and UEFA will win. Uh, but he said it's steeped with both politics and economics. He said, you know, the whole the whole cycle is steeped in politics, which is, you know, government-led, and economics, which is finance and money-led. It's, it's intriguing. So, so really, results happen. Um, and, he, 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 you know, he feels that... that I guess governments and I guess money has a lot to do with the outcome, but he he feels that uh, round one will go to UEFA FIFA. Interesting stuff. Good to see that you're keeping up the contact with uh, with Nick DeMarco as well. Uh, saw some of his tweets this week. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> some great stuff. Um, one which does feature uh, in our next section, which is tweet of the week. <laughs> As I touched on at the start of the show, it's not coming home, but football is coming home to St James's Park tomorrow as Newcastle take on uh, a friendly. Uh, but uh, with a tweet of the week, it's got a, a World Cup theme, uh, starting with this one. <laughs> Qatar in pictures. I think we all enjoyed Ronaldo especially, didn't we? Uh, 100%. Uh, but uh, a few people getting uh, the comeuppance in the World Cup, which is always nice to see. Uh, TWBG said, uh, how would I change things at half-time? I'd probably start by smashing that trumpet in the crowd. I think uh, you, I, I get exactly where you're coming from with that, mate, 100%. Um, Stephen Kennedy said, meanwhile in Dubai, two cats are about to save Harry Kane's penalty as it finally lands. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, That was a good one. And this one, um, any last requests? Harry Kane to take the shot. <laughs> And Harry Kane is selling his boots on eBay. <laughs> These are some of the lighter-hearted uh, ones. Uh, apparently, the smoke isn't to indicate a new Pope, says William. It's to advise young kids that the Kane ball passed over the estate early this morning and it was still going up. <laughs> God, there is Thanks some humour out there, but there's penalty. Uh, TWBG again said, football isn't coming home. You need to accept that and move on. She's happy now. She doesn't want to hear from you anymore. Darren. <laughs> England bringing forward the usual penalty heartache by 35 minutes is good for people with things to do, said Admiral J. Plum. Yep, yep. I think a few of them felt that. <laughs> and unpopular opinion. Uh, personally, I think this man did a fantastic job. He doesn't deserve any of the hate he's receiving online. Granted, some decisions were questionable, but ultimately he's defied all the odds to become the first blind man ever to referee at the World Cup. <laughs> of course, that was the referee referee for the France-England game. Um, Lee Foster said, sorry, but this rev is an all, uh, an all about me, C-U-N-T. Uh, Brazilian Mike Dean. Yes, uh, he certainly was, mate. We didn't have a chance in hell with him refing that game. Jamie Smith said he was sorry to see England lose, but I'm probably over it now, an hour after the match. For context, I'm still not properly over Isaac's wrongly disallowed goal at Anfield in August. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm with you there, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, Rich Oliver, he said, I was born on the day England won the World Cup. I'm now convinced I will die on the day they win it again. I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> 
And Ian Hull getting festive. He says, I hate it when Pickford decorates the tree. <laughs> and this one from Gabby Jordan Pickford always has the air of an actor playing a footballer to me smacks of a BAFTA rising star a quietly devastating performance in something with Stephen Graham next then front cover of G2 in a fur coat with a wilted rose between his teeth <laughs> he does go a bit over the top like uh, oh. Stu Penman I did like this one mate things you just love to see Timber being booked for falling over. <laughs> yes. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Villa Watch, Bruno should be ready to go now, Keith, he says to Keith Downey. He sat on the bench all tournament because he's not as good as Fred and Paquetta. Matt says, you can tell it's close to Christmas. The Virgin has arrived. <laughs> Great reply, that, mate. Uh, and he well says, and that's what happened when you don't select Sven Botman. Yeah. True. Very true. Yep. Very true. Uh, this guy had a good night. Um, it's also a lookalikey, so it doubles up for a tweet of the week as well. Drunken student falls asleep in trough of fresh human urine. <laughs> and he also said, it's actually Jack Grealish. <laughs> Looking close, me. Yeah, it could be. Could, could be. be. Good one, Daddy. Thank you, mate. But I decided to stick that in tweet of the week. Uh, Dad jokes from Dougie Morris. My son just became a priest. From now on, he wants me to call him father. <laughs> Very good And the next one Is this uh, Released this week Avatar The Way of Miggy <laughs> Yes he's hoping to carry on His uh, superb form And we are all hoping too uh, Johnny Moynes Again a, a festive chart uh, Tweet here Rage Against the Machine Never specified What type of machine They were furious with But I reckon it was Probably a printer I can't know how he feels, I. <laughs> <laughs> and well done to Shea Given supporting Davy Craig, who has been on this show a couple of times promoting his food bank single, uh, his Christmas song. Give Davy a follow on Twitter, Davy underscore Craig, to find out all the details uh, about his Christmas fundraiser for the food bank. Well done, Shea, for supporting Davy. Uh, best of luck, Davy. Uh, you've took an idea and you've took it to the next level and you're doing really well with a mirror to keep it up. Fire and Skill says, my annual erection, all 10 plus inches of it, get it up, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and this one, uh, Mbappe hit a guy in the face with a warm-up shot and his apology looked like a Renaissance painting of Jesus curing a blind man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Thanks for that one, Zara. That was a late one from Zara, but that was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I love that. Uh, last couple coming up here. Uh, Roman Kemp, looks like Spurs officials sent out the wrong email this morning. Very Spursy. A world-class venue for World Cup screenings. Watch England in the semi-finals. <laughs> that, went out, that went out just after we got knocked out of the quarter-final, as you can imagine. Last couple, fire and skill again. High press, low block, modern football, F off. William Shakespeare. Yeah. And the winner this week from Doug of the Corner. Just took the wife out for a lovely meal at a posh local restaurant. Absolutely class. Staff very attentive. Afterwards, I was kindly asked, how was everything, sir? Oh, fabulous, thank you. And how did you find the pork belly? Well, I met her at a school disco back in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> I do like your tweets, Joe. Never change, mate, never change. Uh, if you've got a tweet, send it to me or any of the lads and we will endeavour to feature them on the show. <laughs> Thank you.
We will be back before Christmas. We're going to do a show next week, um, probably slightly earlier in the week because we can't do one next Friday. But we're, we're, we will do a little bit of a festive get-together, maybe with a few of the other chaps on the channel. But Michael West is asking, a, getting a question in early about Christmas. He says, what's on your Christmas wish list, Steve? Oh, good question. Good question. If it was a footballer for Newcastle to sign, and I was looking at the purely at who performed at the World Cup, it would be uh, Gatpo, the Dutchman. I thought that he, I thought he looked really looked the part. Uh, I thought he was quick. He was alert. He scored goals. He had he had a lot about him. I, I was very very impressed with him. So if if there was a Christmas present going that we could present to uh, to Eddie Howe um, and it was a player from the World Cup. I think that's the player I would go for. <clears throat> okay. And your Christmas wish list, Keith? Um, I think a fringe. <laughs> <laughs> I would like a fringe and a curly perm. That's what I fancy for Christmas. Fantastic. Well, you might get one. You yeah. never know. And then, and then all them baldy jokes that come through will all be for Steve Riff. None of them will be for me. And I won't have to, <laughs> share, I won't have to share them anymore. But, um, if it was a footballer, um, who would I go for? One player. Um, I don't know. I think it might be Casado at Brighton, the, the defensive midfield player. Or it. Or Diaby. I think it's uh, I think we need to go again. And I think I think that if someone had said to the owners you're gonna be third in, in, in January or you know, end of December, um, would you invest? I think there are a man, every one of them would have said without a doubt. You know, they, they all would have committed and said, Yeah, of course we will. So for me, um I'm ever the optimist, but I want to see us I want to see us bring in two or three quality young players, like the Spanish right back, like that Argentinian kid that's, that's only 12 million. Uh, love to get the Brazilian the kid that, that apparently is a, a Dundee at Chelsea. I'd love to get him. Uh, but but I'd, like, I'd like two players that could rattle the squad. I'd like two players whose names... Uh, I'm not talking about money-wise, but I'm just talking about capability. Has the capability of Isaac or Dan Byrne, for example. So, so you couldn't, you know, they're definitely capable of rattling the eleven. Um, it'd be great if you got somebody, you know, that was, you know, like 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 a Madison. You said he's going to start on Saturday and things like that. But um, that, that's, you know, I, I I think our venture is to commit that we're third in the league and that we can finish at least third in the league this year and I think our, we've got to commit young kids I know we've brought a good young one from um, we, we brought a few good kids and we, they were on display in in, um, in Saudi at the friendly and stable so you know stable confident on that but we've got a good kid coming from Australia and I'm told there's lots of good kids being scouted and and it's youth, you know what I mean. It's 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 Trippier's Trippier's thirty-two year old. So so I want to see this young Spanish right back come in and and learn from Trippier, you know, and over the next two years learn to retire Trippier at thirty-four. You know, that's 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 what I want to see. But um, 
I think we've all had our Christmas present. I think finishing third, you know, get, getting to third in the, you know, for Christmas is amazing. You know what I mean? It's just a phenomenal achievement. Um, but I don't think it's, I, I, I just think it's just a step. I think, I think we'll, we're going to go on from there. And, um, you know, <laughs> you don't know. If either two slip, we might win the league. Um, if not, we might come second. But I'd like us to bring players in in January and continue this spirit so we at least finish third. How about a hasty wig, says Alan? <laughs> well, if, if I had a if I had a hasty wig, I'd 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 tongue it and I'd I'd you know I'd get a curly perm on it. You know what I mean? It's like it's like it's like a thing in my ear. You know what I mean? You had a curly perm, you had a load of hair. I had a curly perm once, but uh, I would like a fringe. I mean, Steve's Steve's got a cracking head of hair for a, for a fellow of his age, and uh, I think that, I think that's where some I think that's where some of the envy comes from when they're sending dog pictures in, and 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 for me. I'm not so much laughing at Steve. I'm laughing at the fact that just because there's a dog with the same colour hair as Steve, if it's white, and then somebody fannies on and parts the dog's hair and says that looks like Steve Hasty. That means you could do it with a cat or a mouse or a or a horse. I think. So it's exactly. the animal. The animal. <laughs> the animals. The animals is what do me. I mean, like the 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 they just you know. I just I saw one this week. I think I sent it to you, Mister Mister Wraith, and there. Uh, I just saw that, you know, there's a dog and someone was prattling around with that dog for, for hours and then give it a centre partner. And I just thought, you know, I've got two old seasons, but who, who messes on with the dogs like that? It, it must be, it, it must be, it, honestly, you, 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 I would like to say the inbox because you can have, you, if you're going to fart about with the dog's hair for, for hours on end. But then at the end of it, you know, to, to centre partner and say, well, that's Steve Easty. To me, it, I, I'll laugh at the people who's, Got them dogs more than Steve is, you know. Like, like, but Steve just does what he, he does right. He just says there's a big belly laugh, but, but uh, I don't know. It's 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 mad. But it's Christmas, Chris, Christmas is for bands, isn't it? It's for kids, and uh, and that, but, but as, as big kids, I think we've had our Christmas box. I think, I think if someone had said to you in September, you're gonna your castle's gonna be um, third in the league at Christmas, you'd wet your pants. And and for me. For me, it's 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 spine tingling. It's it's you know, if I had if I had any hair at all, I suppose it would be stood up on the back of my neck. But um, it's it's just you know, it's it's like like if you lot were running down the last bend of a, of a, of a Olympics games in the four hundred meters, and you're ten twenty yards ahead of um, the rest of the field, you had sixty yards to go, you'd run your bollocks off. You think out of area, you just made most of it. You try and win, but uh, but but two sets. I just think, can you answer that? He's got he's got my Christmas cards, Pep. Um, he's got my Christmas cards. Just he, he's downstairs. Sorry, there's my Christmas cards. I'm at the hotel in Newcastle because I'm at a do tonight, and uh, my mates just phone up because he's got my Christmas cards to send out. So so, so so for me for me, um, I, I just I just think myself. Um, you know, we, we need to we need to remember how we got here, but more than that, we need to maximise staying here, and we need to see what happens. These people have got money to burn, but they're wise people. They didn't get it for nothing. They've got to buy being clever. But clever people, when you get ahead of the field and you've got sixty metres to run, they give you the best trainers, 
They give you the best training and they say, come on, can we win it? Could we win the league this year? If not, could we come second? Or let's not hang on, why, why don't we hang on to third? But they'll not be thinking of fifth and sixth and seventh. And, and I'm just curious to see what happens. I can't imagine January's going to come without some great signings. So, uh, so my Christmas present, I think I got Steve. Um, and future presents, I think, will be given by the owners. Yeah, great, great to think of those future presents. Uh, I don't think we'll have to long, uh, too long to wait. Okay, uh, next up, the day I met. where we ask you to send in photographs of you meeting somebody from Newcastle United and thanks to Donald who's been on the show many times and is a regular in the chat uh, meeting Gaza uh, great photo Donald thank you for that and uh, I did get a, a selection of photos from Al-Walid uh, on the, uh, the Newcastle excursion to Saudi Arabia so uh, in no particular order here he is um, with Matty Target Mr Murphy <laughs> Good stuff, mate. These are great. He's gone with the goalkeepers. And Fraser. Ryan Fraser. And Maybe. Big Joe and Miggy. That's the piece de resistance, that one, isn't it? Definitely. Great stuff, Alwali. Thank you for sending them in. And uh, I'm glad you had such a great time uh, singing the lads. If you've got a photograph of you and one of the players uh, or somebody who has played for the club, ping them over to us and we'll feature them on the DMX. <laughs> Tom Dixon uh, said reports today say that Newcastle could be offered James Madison by his agent in January. And uh, Mark Ritchie says, I hope we sign Madison, but do you think the club have cooled their interest given his injury record? We seem to have a few injury-prone players already. Steve, the um, the merry-go-round is about to start, but let's get Christmas out of the way first. But, yeah, you, you know, let's let's talk about this because we'll feature Madison for many a many a episode of the Three Amigos. Um, you know, what what's your thoughts? Uh, do, you, do you think this is going to happen? Um, no, I don't actually. I don't think it is going to happen. I, um, Madison's an interesting one, isn't he? I mean, went to went to the World Cup. He was going to be the you know everybody was going around. Got an injury. It was obviously the guy wasn't fit. He was taken purely as a spectator. Um, it never ever looked. I don't think we ever saw him warming up. Never mind uh, even the, the inkling that he would have a, an opportunity to come on, um, which which always annoys me when England, you know, go to a go to a tournament. There's always someone um, who goes who's injured, and um, we saw it with with uh, with Beckham. We've saw it with Rooney, you know, over the years. We saw it with Keegan and Brooken when they went in '82. Um, it's just one of those things that the managers. Scramble around and they'll take an injured player and basically it's 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 one player down in the, in your in your squad. Um, as for Madison himself, I think um, 
is is Madison the the superstar that we're looking for? Is he the sort of player that would fit in? Yeah, he probably would fit in. Um, but is it what we need? Do we play? Do we play the sort of game? Is Madison the sort of player who would slow the slow it down slightly for us? Would he speed it up for us? Um, would 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 we be still playing at the same pace? Um, that 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 Eddie Howe has the team playing in. I'm not too sure. Um, great free kick taker, and there's no question about that. The lad is super talented. Um, I wouldn't be disappointed if 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 we got him. In fact, you know, I'd be chuffed to bits. But I just I just don't think that it's it's the player that they're looking at. I I just have this feeling that they that they're looking elsewhere. I, I've got no I've got nothing to lay my hat on. I, it's not like when we. When we were over there, that and we were talking to and, and listening, that we heard anything um, that suggested that. Quite the opposite. Um, you know, we literally heard nothing. Um, never asked a question. Um, it was never raised by supporters who we were going to buy in the transfer market or anything like that. Um, because the way that the club operates now is that um, everything's locked down. They have their they have their their own ways of of operating. It's not like in the old days where. You know, reporters knew everything that was happening at the football club uh, on the on the back of a phone call. I think sometimes the, the reporters who who report on Newcastle United um, sometimes know less than the fans, and sometimes they're picking up information from the fans, um, they're picking up information from various sources. But I don't think the sources are necessarily from within the, in the football club. I don't think I don't think football club uh, people have the same sort of relationship with the press. That they used to have. Um, I think they have a, a professional relationship. I think it's it's very much based on the press conference and and that's it. You know the, the meeting that they have where they get asked. They're allowed to ask questions um, on a, a, a with the manager prior to the to a game and then the post match conferences and after that it's it's scrambling around. Um, but I'm sure that the, it's the, the the whole Madison thing's just gonna. Just continue to bubble under um, until somebody turns around at Leicester and says he's going nowhere, um, or until Madison turns around and goes, "Well, actually, I am still injured." You know, <laughs> come back in the summer because you can see that if this injury is it was dodgy enough for him not to be even considered for running along around the dirt track at uh, in any of the Qatari stadiums that Newcastle that England played in. Um, then it tells you something, doesn't it? He spent most of his time on the treatment table um, or, or hanging around the swimming pool. So let's see. But uh, no, it's, I, I just don't see Madison as being a, a player that would that would come for Newcastle. Yeah. A lot of people saying they prefer Tielemans uh, to Madison. Keith, uh, yeah. what, what's your option? Um, there's four reasons I don't think... If, if he comes, great. I think he does the job. Um, um, I think if I said I said on a show a week ago, I said that if you were to buy Madison t- tomorrow, I think he'd only be ten million. I, I think Leicester would get ten million more from in January than what they get him when they run the contract down further in the summer. I think it's a it's a ten million pound difference. So you know, I think it would. I think it, I think it'd be sixty million now. To force his hand and make him come, I think he's fifty million in the summer. I think uh, you know. I think a great player like that, even with the contract running down, there's so many people want him. You know, Spurs would take him. I think Liverpool, Man United, Newcastle would all be in for him. So I don't think there's any pressure on Leicester. But what is the pressure on Leicester is to steal. So why would Leicester take a ten million pound 
surplus on selling them now and risk going down. It just doesn't make commercial sense. So no, I don't see him coming for that reason. I'd love to be proved wrong. And 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 Steve here she's just touching on it. No fans know anything. I don't care who they are. Nobody knows anything. And the club is such a tight knit ship now that, that basically um, you, you, you're talking about people. You know, people lose the jobs if they, if they if they let the main target out. And then the same way that we signed Gamerish. When Bruno came in, nobody knew he was coming and he just arrived. And that's how Newcastle do their major signings now. So, so for me, common sense is, so okay, why would they pass up on uh, Madison? Because I think if, if you think, think of how they'll be thinking, I think there's four things you can think of. There's, there's, there's healthy rumours from decent people who, who've been reliable in the past, saying that Diaby's back in the reckoning. They reckon he's available again. If Diaby's up and about, I mean, he could be got for 50 million last time. Maybe he could be got for 40 million now. Who knows? He didn't make the French squad. But if Madison's 60 and Diaby's 40, I think you'll find that Diaby was the biggest target they ever had. Diaby was the one player they want who they couldn't get. They wanted, he's the player they wanted to break the bank for. Secondly, someone a lot more, or well, a similar position, but, but when you talk about value, look at the age of young Turham. Lillian Durham's son, who plays for, for France, or Thuram, or whatever you want to call him, he's he's plays a similar position. He play he can play wide, he can play off the off the centre forward. But he, he's a straight. He's got a great goal scoring record and a great assist record this year. And his age, you know, he's 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 his age is better than Madison's. And rumor has it he can be got for twelve to fifteen million because his contract is run down. So he wants to go. That's what my, Madison isn't saying. I want to go, but Thurum's saying I want to go. Um, he wants to go to the Premier League, and his father, who we all saw as you know as a, as a cracking player in France in, in the past, is is saying um, where he should go. And the rumor has it that, that Newcastle are quite near the front of the queue for him. So that's a similar kind of player. And there's two people we've already got that we're forgetting about. You've got Maxi coming back, who's not in his side. Where's Maxi going in that team? Because when Maxi plays well, he's unplayable. He's the best player we've got. Secondly, he's asked to come in. So, so, so you've got these players, and, and they, they're not what I'd call centre-forwards. They're people that play off the wings or inside forward or behind the forwards, and they're, they're very similar to Madison. So when you put in Thurham at 12 to 15 million, Diaby's... Who, who apparently is gettable now, he's at a maximum. I just think myself that, that, that money's going to be key here. FFP is going to be important. And I don't think Newcastle's going to be held to ransom by Leicester. It's mm. interesting what you say there, Keith, because you look at you look at some of the performances in the World Cup and some of the the majority of the players that that I think most of us have spotted and been impressed with are not your out-and-out -out striker. They're very yeah. similar to what you've just described. A player yeah. who yeah. plays wide on the left, like an Mbappe, um, somebody yeah. like Dembele, who I yeah. must admit, I, I didn't rate. I thought that his career was stalled at, at Barcelona and then he was going nowhere. There was a lot of talk about him uh, being thrown out of Barcelona. He wouldn't get on. He wasn't getting on. Um he had a, he had a, he had an issue with he, he couldn't get out of bed in the morning because he spent most of his evenings playing FIFA all that type of thing 
And then all of a sudden you see him in the World Cup and you see what a class player he is. And I think um, Memphis Depay was another one. Uh, not not your out-and-out striker, but a player who comes in from the side, um, uses his pace, uses his strength. Um, so the, the, the whole game's changed, hasn't it? We've gone... Harry Kane now no longer a centre-forward. He likes to drop into <laughs> midfield and players play off him. Son, another one. You would never class him as a as an out-and-out striker uh, as such. Likes to play off people, likes to do his own running, likes to come in. Um, so the whole game's changing. It, it's, it's, it's a much faster moving pace. I think that's where Newcastle have, have got the advantage because we're playing... Um, we're playing a high press, and I hate that phrase because it's it's something that that seems to another another one of those that came up on the list early. You know, it's it's basically attacking from the front, defending from the front, and um, pushing on, uh, putting it putting the opposition under pressure, and all working as a team. And, and what Eddie Howe's got is a, a bunch of people working for a team. Where he's going to where it's going to be doubtful for him is when he brings if he goes to bring somebody in, and that player's not necessarily a team player, and that's where it's difficult. For a manager and difficult for the scouts because they've got to they've got to pick a player who's going to suit the style of player that we're that we're bringing, and we've got we've got similar players already. The likes of Maxi who will run yeah. and run yeah. and run yeah. and, and attack, and you've got Isak who again similar. We we haven't seen enough of Isak, have we? You know, but what we have seen, he looks very very impressive in a black and white shirt. That that game against Liverpool where let's face it, there was definitely scored two goals. And and we got the goal chalked off for for uh, for offside, um, which for my mind was never an offside decision. Um, but it's it's it. This is where the the lockdown comes in. This is where we're not going to find out who who we genuinely are looking at. There's so many players that we could because of who we are now. There's all of those players that I've mentioned. Newcastle United could go and get at a stroke tomorrow if they wanted them. But it's a case of whether Eddie, whether Eddie Howe wants them. But what you've got to mention mm. is you, you've got to look at Isaac and say they paid more money for Isaac than they could have got Madison for. So yeah. in, in, in the model that you castle follow, see what, what I do is I look and say who's in charge, they're the owners, who they've put to find players. You look at the, the likes, you know, the, the, like Dashworth and people like that. And these are these are the people at the top of their game, you know, the people we're using. Like we've just gone and signed a massively demanded youth team scout, you know what I mean? And, and you look at them, yeah. so they all know who they're going for. And they went, and the minute they found out they could get Isaac, they just stopped looking at the, the, the young lad, Pedro at uh, Watford, and they just dived in and got signed him up. And we haven't seen half of Isaac's capability yet. We saw a snippet at Liverpool. Well, that kid's going to be special. And by all accounts, the people at the club think he's special. They think he's brilliant. And and they were prepared to pay more money for him than what they could have got Madison for. So you've got to put it all in perspective. Yes, I think Madison's a cracking player. Yes, he's got some skills that some of these players we mentioned haven't got. But you've got Isaac waiting to come in. And 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 ultimately, let's let's suppose a Maxi comes back with a form that he played against Man City when he yeah. he, he gave he gave Kyle Walker another arsehole. How are you going to play him and then play Isaac in that team? Because You've got one at 63 million, and you've got one who's been our sole creator for the last two years. You know what I mean? He's been, he's been, and if, and if he, when I, what I noticed about Maxi is when he, when he played in the friendlies and, and, and the last couple of times he has played, he's not getting caught in possession as much. He's being coached better. And he, when, the, when he gets the ball now, he's looking, and that's what I was impressed with Thurman when I saw him play for France. Every time, he didn't have something on. He made sure he never lost the ball. 
he's, he's, he just he just he just retained the ball very well. So he made sure the ball didn't ping back to the French midfield. He made sure that he kept up with players. He, he you know he, he played people in. When you're talking about Madison and you're talking about being held over a barrel by Leicester, you get into this thing about Newcastle playing a surcharge on players, and that's gone. You know that, that's that's completely gone. Um, I think we've got through that by buying less fashionable, less well-known players who've turned out to perform, you know, massively well. But I think next you'll see people who want to come to your castle, who put transfer requests in, and who who'll be tapped up and say, "I only want to go to Newcastle." And that's when that's when you won't be held over a barrel because these players are wanting to come here. I think I think with with the players we talked about, and and, and there's, there's others, you know, there's 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 other Brazilians. I think the point you hit on, Steve, is, is is brilliant. We are starting to buy players like Man City did when they won the league, before they hit on the best centre forward in the world. You know, they 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 have bought a centre forward that probably is better than anybody. You know, so so, so when you when you look at, you know, he, he, he was talked about. People knew he was good, but when you see him. He's literally unplayable. And Liverpool did the same. They went out and bought Nunes and, you know, by all accounts, great player. But isn't, doesn't seem quite as good as Haaland. Doesn't seem quite as good. I listen to a bloke every game who talks a lot of sense, Johnny, uh, Mr. Johnny Kiltek. And, and he, I said, if I could buy one player, I'd go and buy Harry Kane. And, and he said, he says, if we got him, we'd have a chance to win the league. He's probably right. But the thing is, the thing is, if you watched Kane in the World Cup, people were getting frustrated about him because at times when we needed him at centre forward, he was playing as a left half. And he was he was playing deep left midfield and going and, and that's what he does in, in Spurs' side, but he's got son sat waiting for him. And if you if you saw him go up and he created a ball, he whipped it across, or somebody whipped it across, and there was nobody there. Because Kane was we know had started the move off. That's when I went when I watched Tottenham away, I noticed how deep Kane dipped. And to me, if you've got a world-class centre-forward, you should be in that 18-yard box for most of the game. Because that's where all the goals are going to be. And that's where it all happens. So, so, from, so, so you're right, Steve, what you're saying about, about these players are not out-and-out centre-forwards. But how many world-class centre-forwards is there? You know what I mean? Mbappe isn't a world-class centre-forward in the, in the same breath as Haaland. Different kind of player. Probably every bit as good, but a different player. And Man City won a title and, and, and won it, you know, Man City became the best club in the world by not having Haaland. So, so, so I think Newcastle might go down a similar route and then might find a world-class centre-forward like Man City did. But uh, think, think, think of what Jesus did for Arsenal this season. Think of how much disappointment there was when he came back from the World Cup injured. He wasn't good enough for Man City or he didn't fit in or he wasn't the out-and-out centre-forward that they wanted. So, and, 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 you know, it looks like a class act to me, but, but me, I think it's the same point you argue, PSD, is, is that, that he's... he's it, it, it's the centre-forwards and there's inside-forwards and there's wide men and and it looks like the people. It looks like we build up a team, yeah. Without and and, and there's still centre forwards out there. I think Osimhen, you know, I mentioned last year. I think I think he's still, you know, a proper proper handful of a centre forward. 
but but uh, but you know, will will the save the race question? Will we ban, you know, sixty million of our uh, well scrutinised FFP fund into Madison? And I think the RB will be cheaper. Thurum will be a quarter of the price. And will you not create? Will you not then force or lose or antagonise Maxi and Lisa? You'll say that, man. Great stuff, as always. Uh, just over halfway through the show, time for the ads. A big thanks to all our sponsors. First off, Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 2545 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Thanks to Garden of Healing Dispensary, CBD hemp and cannabinoid specialists. You can find them at thegohd.com. And thanks to Mr. Vicky's Sources. They are handmade in Cumbria. And you can find more information out on their website, mrvickies.co.uk. And if you want to order any, email info at mrvickies.co.uk or telephone 01768 210102. Big thanks to Blowhole Brewery, a new beer uh, made on Tyneside. The cans are all designed in the colours of Newcastle United strips from days gone by. Black and white there, the purple and blue and the good old-fashioned blue from the entertainers days. Have a get more information on the Blowhole Brewery range, such as Geordie Juice from blowholebrewery.co.uk. Thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the technical side of things and video side of things. And thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle, and the guys who do our website, nufcmatters.com. If you want to subscribe to the show, then all you need to do is click the subscribe button below. You can also hit the thumb up, which does us a favour, by liking the video and click share to share to your social media, such as Twitter and Facebook. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes and Spotify and the rest. And if you want to contribute to the show, use the QR code. It takes you straight to the membership pack and you can join the channel. What do you get for your membership pack? You get a scarf, a cup, a pen and a membership card and entry into the monthly draw. You can also make a donation by hitting the dollar sign in the chat tonight. We also give you something for free if you subscribe to the show. To get your car sticker, email john at nufcmatters.com and he will post you one out. We also support the food bank on this show. And if you want to make a virtual donation to the food bank, then go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and make a donation today. On our website, we've got lots of T-shirts, cups, pens, you name it, memorabilia, if you want to buy it and support the show. For Christmas, we have the Bruno Christmas Jumper which is selling rather well. And we'll have the bobble hats. Play like Almiron, Bruno's Magic, and Bruno's 39, and Joe Linton's J7. Get yourself to nufcmatters.com to buy them today. If you want to buy people a ticket for one of our events next year, we've got an evening with Steve Howie, which is Friday the 24th of February at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets are £50 from nufcmatters.com or newcastlelegends.com. And you can also buy them on Woucher before Christmas. Get somebody a bargain and a nice Christmas present. Peter Beardsley is on on the 10th of February at St. Dom's Catholic Club in Newcastle. Tickets available direct from the venue. And for this one, Friday the 2nd of June next year at the Grand Hotel in Gosforth, 6.30 start. And evening with Rob Lee, Lee Clark, 
and John Beresford. To book tickets, contact Natalie at healandtour.org.uk or visit their website, healandtour.org.uk forward slash events. If you're looking for a Christmas present and people like a book, then get yourself NME from the Bender Squad to the Gremlins or the last remaining copies of Black or White, No Grey Areas, Lee Clark's autobiography. And you can get them from www.badboysbooks.net. Okay, Keith, get the uh, defibrillator ready. The lookalikes start with this one from Peter Guy. He says, a familiar face at the petting zoo made me look twice. <laughs> at least it's not a dog. There's um, a lot of ones this week. And then we have this. Hi, Steve. Hope you're well. I haven't got Twitter. So here's a Steve Hasty lookalike from just five minutes ago. I mean, it's him. Give <laughs> <laughs> the cook, Steve now, eh? Moonlighting. Uh, this one was from Iceman on Twitter. He says, Steve Hasty doing some moonlighting. <laughs> in his pants on stage. Um, Christmas decorations, Hasty style. Yeah. From Dougie, from Dougie Morris. Sutty <laughs> uh, sent us this one. Look alike, uh, Keith Chegwin and Steve yeah. Hasty. Steve, you do look like Keith Chegwin, mine. No, I don't. You do like. No, I don't. No, <laughs> and this one, now and older. <laughs> Oh, that's cruel. You've got a Steve Reid, Keith Patterson haircut. Right. <laughs> this one is from Keith Patterson. And this one's from Steve Hasty. <laughs> Steve's actually, was, if you can't, that wasn't, if you can't, if you can't no, beat that him, that wasn't a lookalikey. That wasn't sent in as a lookalikey. That oh. was a bitch. <laughs> Penman said it'll probably end up as a lookalike, and we know what's coming next. <laughs> ah, right. Okay. Well, well, there is this one. Uh, my best. Hasty and Mitch. So Jack. <laughs> and this one from Rob Boyd. Who's oh, this? Lovely. It's Steve Hasty. Queen. <laughs> we got it. We got a mixed bag of which Steve's part of uh, from Jimmy. <laughs> Any of the masters blue. I band. always thought Jimmy was a mate. Look at the one at the top right. <laughs> Look at the one at the bottom right. I see Brendan says he's got this spot on. Who does this with pictures the of dogs? Jimmy uh, man, they're just pictures of dogs. You got me as a singer. Good yeah. old God. They do look like you, like Steve. They do look a bit like you, honestly. Keith Richardson, he says, look like the early days, a young hasty on the pull down the big market. Thanks, Keith. Keith's a new person. Um, Now, as you know, Rita um, (laughs) actually tends to apologise, Steve, after she's sent hers. You know, she always goes... That's good, does it? So so she sent this in this week. (laughs) Christmas present for Steve Hasty. Jesus that's, Christ! That's like God. one of those. That's like one of those security things that comes up with a bank, isn't it? You know, which one's got the picture of the duck in? You know, he's looking at the one in the bottom left. That's unbelievable. The bottom left's perfect. But the, Jeez, the, the, it's the, not the, unbelievable, man. That dogs, mate. That dogs. That's a monkey. Is that a woman? 
there's a, there's a duck there, Keith. There's a dog, a monkey, there's a llama, a goat. They're not dogs. Yeah, well, I tell you what, the old ringers are you, mate. Um, not as these, though. <laughs> From Jack. I mean, and this one. Those dogs are. Oh, There's Jack. There's Steve again. Eee, God almighty, this one from Steve, uh, from Jack again. Jack, Jack went full Monty this week. He's just, he just hammered it. Jack said hundreds. He did, I. Tasty on a windy day. That's got, that's got the same, that's got the same barb as me and Steve Wraith. It's got all the pictures. That's from the food bank. That's at the food bank. Steve, that's his Christmas jumper. Ready for bed. Is this him after a night out? Oh my God! It's not it's me after night out, man. <laughs> you wouldn't take a dog in the park, would you? And, and he finished off with a llama. Um, the last two, and the ones which look most like Steve is uh, this one from Dougie. <laughs> and this one. <laughs> Doctor Who, man. That's Doctor Who. Well, thanks. Honestly, people went to town this week, but thanks for all of that. Now we're into the real look alike. No else to do, have they? Look alike, yeah. We're very own Mitch and Big Vern from Viz. Sort of, but thanks for this one. Look alike for Friday. A random Dutch guy on a Dutch advert is a spitting double of Steve Rafe. Thank you. Um, this one. That's good. It. Eagles quarterback and it, Callum Tim. Wilson. Well done, Tim. That's getting sensible now. Sam Chipperfield says, your filter's back on Snapchat to me. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> it's nice to see that you constantly use it as well. <laughs> um, ever wondered how Steve Wraith got his nickname Bird Brain, says Stephen Kennedy. If you just see the, can you just see the bird on the top of his head? <laughs> oh, dear. And this one. Keith doesn't like tabs. Well, I could well, I because he had a smoke in the fag, and I'm like very anti smoking. I used to be a hypnotist, you know, stop people yeah. smoking. And uh, I say that, and I had a fag in my hand. Yeah, so that was uh, well done by him. Jose Mourinho and Timo. Mad, absolutely mad. I bet Jose doesn't get upset being compared to a dog. Juggy Morris sent this in, um, says it's the Geordie Dentist. Mitch. <laughs> And Giroux and <laughs> Ryland Clark from Tom. Yes. No, that's good, that's, isn't it? That's a class. Right? Ah, that's, I get, I get, I get what it's about now. Yeah, Ian Clark and Ethan Hawke. Yeah, very good. I eh? very good. See my brows. Yeah. Uh, Oliver Olivia Giroud and Woody Woodpecker. Oh well, lately uh, off with that one, but um, yeah, we'll give you it. Roy Carroll and Jamie Lannister. Yes, yes. Quite That's good, quite yep. good. Coming down to the top four or five now. Take your dad to work today. Some dogs. <laughs> no, we've run out of dogs. Uh, Jerry, send this one in. Uh, Louis Van Gaal and Butthead. That's good, that like. That's clever. That's. Here's me top three. Curry actor Andy Wyman and Jordan Cronin. Oh, poor Jordan. That's good, that like. Very good. But it was third place. I love this one because of the attention to detail that the person gave. That time when Colin Montgomery picked a fight with John Rambo, <laughs> missed his punch and whacked Paul Hogan instead, 
while Rodney Trotter watched it all unfold from a safe distance. Great well, that is great. That, that is brilliant. 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 Billy Moore, brilliant. I love that, man. Fantastic. Billy's got a great podcast. Give him a follow. Yeah. And the winner for me this week was this one. Tim Curry as Frankenfurter and actress Feruza Bog. Very good, yeah. Ooh, I can see that. That was me there. winner this week. But great stuff. Keep the look like he's coming in, especially the dogs. We all like a laugh at him. Yeah. Uh, we did have a couple of other points getting brought up. Um, Tom, a quick prediction. Who do you think will win on Sunday between Argentina and France? <coughs> My prediction is Argentina to win by two goals to one. Steve, what's your prediction? I think Argentina as well. I don't know how many goals, but I think I think it's written in the stars for Messi. End of his career coming up. Uh, twilight. Um, the, everything that's happened... On the other side of the of the of the goat argument with uh, with Ronaldo uh, over the last six months, and Messi, who's just quietly gone about his business, dragged what is a workmanlike but not necessarily one of the best better Argentinian teams. Um, but everything revolves around him. He's he's galvanised a, a bunch of players um, and and has a manager who has. Got them very, very well organised, and I think I think it's written in the stars for for Messi. What about you, then, Keith? What's your prediction? Draw on ninety minutes, then flick a coin because any of them could win it. But I, I think it'll be a draw ninety minutes, mm-hmm. and I think it's I think it'll be good odds. You'll get a good bet on that. I think I think it'll be I think there'll be goal scored. So I think it'll be a score draw, but ninety minutes. Gary Douglas says, I remember a certain person who's no longer on your show anymore, Steve, that claimed there was a lot, not a lot of money left in the kitty live on the show. Then Newcastle pulled 60 million for Isaac. Not sure who that is, uh, to be honest. Neither am I. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure who that yeah, is. You'd, yeah. have to, you'd have to remind us. The only person I can think of is, well, there's only two people. It could be Liam or Ian. And now Liam is still on the show. So it might yeah. not be Liam. Because um, Liam has just had some some massive time out, but he was back a couple of weeks ago. But it could be him, yeah. Uh, lots of people suggesting various people um, in, in the transfer window. We will be bringing the transfer window show back uh, with Ben Jacobs. So do not worry about that. Um, it'll be back uh, as soon as Christmas and New Year are over. Uh, Moza, yes, I did watch the interview with the lads at the RVI. And Maxi interviewed at the end. You don't know what's coming. I hope he's right. Yeah, and we all hope he's right as well. John um, says... Question for Keith. When you spent all those hours and late nights working on the takeover, did you ever dream would be in the top three of Christmas and everything else that has gone so amazingly off the pitch? Keith? No, I never. Um, <clears throat> I, th- I always knew <clears throat> the takeover would go through, but I thought it would take longer to get rid of people and change the team over. And what I didn't ever or Kate in my mind for John was the ability Eddie Howe would have for getting top players out of the five or six that's formed part of the backbone of this team. And you know, you're talking about your Joe Linton's. I never, I never dreamt that uh, that Eddie Howe would make him a first name on the sheet. I never thought that Miggy would ever. You could see that these lads were good players, but now they're special. You know what I mean? We, we've talked there. If 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 you know yeah, 
who's to say if Madison is 60 million and people talk about Maxi, 50 million, surely Almiron's got to be that kind of area. Almiron must be a 50 million pound player. And, 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 you know, if they keep on coaching Almiron, he's definitely got the hunger, he's got the pace and the, the finishing ability. He could be like one of the Premier League's best players. So I don't think, John, I ever thought that, you know, that he would spin Shah around to what he is, that he would get, get what he's got out of the squad. Um, I didn't think that we would change the keeper as quick as we did and get somebody that you just look at and think, God, you know, he's, he's just as solid as a rock. Nick Pope just seems to be part of Newcastle now, you know. I, mean, I, never, I didn't think that was going to happen. And I was one of the people, when the season started, I said, we've got to start with the original keeper, you know, for the first game. I think a lot of us did. Yeah. So, 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 I know I didn't, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's over done and dusted. And, like, I hope I never, ever get involved in anything like that again. But, but it, it, it's certainly worth the days that me and you have, John, where we sit at them games and just, we just laugh at each other, look at you and burst out laughing and just think, how mad is all this? To be third at Christmas is a dream. And, and not being a clever ass, but I said we'd be fifth this year. And, I, th- and I, you know, I thought maybe we'd be seventh at Christmas to get fifth this year. And that's why I think we'll be third now. I don't think it's over. I think, I think, I think you're talking about the wealthiest people on the planet. Being told the third, you've got six good months to go and finish the job. I wouldn't like to bet against them. I wouldn't like to be. I wouldn't like to the team in second saying you're not getting my spot, and and I, I just don't see Newcastle going to this fifth, sixth, and seventh. I, I think I think I think we'll finish top fourth. So no, nah, didn't I didn't didn't imagine it would all go so well. But by God, I tell you what, it's like you said earlier, Christmas presents you don't come much better than this when you're our age. No, definitely don't. I, tell uh, you what, though, Keith, I was going just going to say, Steve, it's interesting what you say there, Keith, because you weren't the only one who thought that. Uh, that we wouldn't wouldn't be where we are. I think a lot of the first team squad were exactly the same. And when they went to Saudi this time last year, I I did hear um, it, it said that when they were when they were doing the team bonding and they were meeting with the likes of Mr Al Rumayan, um, that a, a, quite a few of the squad did actually turn around and say they didn't think they would be there this time. Now uh, they saw their days numbered at the football yeah. club. Because yeah. they thought that there was going to be a massive sea change. They thought that they would be they would be shipped out, and the question was was immediately placed back at them: Why? What makes you think that? Well, it's just the way that the football club's going. No, we want you to be part of this. We want you to be. We we're going on a journey. We want you to be part of it. This is we want this to be a team effort, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think the penny dropped with some of those players as well, because if you remember, and everybody can remember, you know, we were really in the in the trough of a slump at that particular time. And from that moment onwards, when that team came back from Saudi, um, it was a totally different attitude, mentality wise, fitness wise, um. Confidence-wise, and we just took off. And I think that I think there's an awful lot to be said for team bonding. I think that I think that the talent was always within the squad, but they didn't believe in themselves. And what Eddie Howe, when they've been away and when they've been speaking to the likes of Al Ramayan and when they've mixed in that and listened to what the club's plans are, they suddenly went, you know, yeah, 
I, I didn't think I was going to be part of it, but I want to be part of it. And there's an opportunity to be part of it. And that changed that changed the whole emphasis on our season. And now this season, we're, that, that's, it's just simply continued. The, the, the performance has been put in and in, in close season, it was said that uh, Eddie Howe wanted them to be 30% fitter. He wanted them to be faster. He wanted to be stronger. And he wanted them to stand up as men and be counted. And that's what they've done. They've taken on board because the professionals have taken that on board. And that's the difference. That's what we've got now. We've got we've got a, a, a team that is working together. We've seen them squaring up collectively when there's been is, issues with one or two of them uh, during a game. Um, everything's bonded well, and I think that in itself is is testament to the players as much as to Eddie Howe. But Eddie Howe's the catalyst; he's the man who's driving it forward now, and they're all following him. And that's that's the difference now from where we are because that team was not being led prior to Eddie Howe coming. And Eddie Howe, in that first three months, until he got the opportunity to take them away and spend time with them. And then be see for them to hear that they had the backing of of the of the of the owner, the man at the very top, Mr. Al Ramayan. That's when it that's when it all changed for me. I think I think you're bang on. And, and when Dan Ashworth was away, he he said that um, he, he talked he referenced uh, uh, Lee Clark's son leaving the club, mm-hmm. and he said that um, he saw that as a, you know he didn't want to go into great depth. But what he said is, is we need to make sure. That we are the best we can be, and we're the best at handling people um, and selling people the dream. But what he referenced was a kind of uh, Elliot Anderson kind of uh, route. You've got to be able to demonstrate how Sean Longstaff came through and, and what he's achieved, and how you see. See, we looked at a lot of people. Um, I was always a Tim Maxim fan. I was always a Sean Longstaff fan, and got criticism for it. But but it's getting quieter and quieter especially on Sean Longstaff. And, and and I think we asked somebody like Bruno the value of Sean Longstaff. We've asked Eddie Howe of it. I think you'd find he's a very unselfish, always do-or-die performer. And he's, he's, a, he's one of them unsung heroes in that team. But when you put people like you've just referred there, Steve, into a team, we, we, we saw how good Murphy was under Steve Bruce. We saw how good Almiron was. And we saw how good Sean Longstaff was. I mean, when Sean Longstaff used to go to work, Steve Bruce used to ignore him. So if he said, oh, boss, he just turned on him and he ignored him and Matty because they wouldn't do what he wanted in terms of signing contracts. Um, everybody wanted Sean at the time and Longstaff must have looked at Bruce and thought, why do I want to spend the vital part of my career with you? If you look at West Brom, West Brom's unbeaten the last four games because, because Bruce is gone. So he joins them in the top six. He takes them to the bottom three. He leaves, and they've won the last four. I mean, how are you? That's that's like seeing a Stephen Keith ball. Come on, you, you've got to be able to see it and think. The, the common denominator is that man hasn't got a clue. He's outdated, but he's had them players. So he's had the Almirons and the Sean Longstaffs and the Joel Intons and got nothing out of them. And what happens is when you give them to someone like How. He just he, them players were quite canny in our old setup. So when he puts great players around them, like like Botman, who buys your time, and he puts players like Trippier, who picks you out for the sixpence, and he puts people like Isaac running off the ball. And I mean, look how Wilson's developed. You know, Wilson 
got a World Cup and just didn't look out of place, looked as though he should be there. And I think we should, we all feel he should have played more. But what all, all Eddie Howe did was he worked with what Steve Bruce had but couldn't work with. And he made them what they can be. And that's why six of them now look like world beaters. Um, I think them six are going to get better. I think Sean Longstaff and I think Miggy are both improved. I think they'll become even better players. You know, and I think I think they'll become players worth tens of millions, like 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 Longstaff was reputed to be under Rafa. But but this 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 club, um, think about it. He's working all that magic. Dan Ashworth's working magic, bringing people in, and you can see what's going to happen next. The checkbook's going to be opened. There's a good they're going to add it in January, and this this third is a stepping stone to the top. You know, and if we don't finish third, if we finish lower than third, so be it. But it, it's just a case of time, you know. And 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 I'm not surprised now. Logic can it, it brightens you up, doesn't it? it? Says, are you surprised that when Bruce left and how took over, and he put some cracking world class players next to them, they became better? Well, no, I'm not surprised now. But I don't think any I don't think any of us expected or saw it coming. Big up to Danny Coggins in the chat. Good to see Hi, you Danny. on, mate. <laughs> Good friend of the yeah, the lads. <clears throat> Good to see you on, mate. Um, okay, got a couple of other things to get through before the end of the show. It's time for Elliot. I asked the doctor if I could administer my own anaesthetic. He said, go ahead, knock yourself out. <laughs> Cheers, Elliot. Thank you, mate. Have a good Christmas. I'll be Tory um, party policy soon. <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, the uh, the food bank T-shirt was won by uh, the person who adorns the front of it. If uh, You just need a reminder. Our newest England fan was Stu Penman. Went from Scotland to England. Uh, we Are England T-shirt sold for £200. For the food bank and Stu has donated the 200 pounds uh, directly to the food bank so uh, yeah. thank you very much for that Brilliant. Stu Brilliant. Uh, much appreciated uh, John from QTech has started off uh, his latest uh, quiz and uh, you just need to write the clues down uh, over the next four weeks November the 12th 1966 is your first clue there'll be another three and then uh, a question on the last one uh, for you to answer and the first person who answers in the chat will win a prize and we won't be far away from the monthly draw, which I think is next week. If uh, John uh, in the chat can uh, correct us, uh, then please do. Uh, but yeah, that will be it. And there will be another Food Bank T-shirt uh, going up. Uh, we've got a signed Supermac T-shirt uh, available now, uh, which will go up on my Twitter. So if you go to at Steve Wraith, probably tomorrow morning now, uh, I will stick up the, uh, the T-shirt there and you'll be able to uh, place a bid. It'll be signed by Malcolm and uh, be posted out probably between Christmas and New Year to the lucky winner. Don't forget as well, I know I mentioned it on the ads, but if you haven't subscribed to the channel, please do. It does help us, and it's free. We give you seven shows a week, seven nights a week, uh, and it's all for free. We don't put anything behind any hidden charges, etc. If people donate, it's nice of you to do that. Great. Um, but essentially, if you can subscribe, if you look at the little NUFC Matters button down there in the bottom right-hand corner, 
and just click on that. It gives you the option to subscribe. You can do it on your phone. You can do it on your uh, laptop. You can do it on your iPad, whatever you're watching it on or on your computer and just subscribe. Uh, when I do go through the analy analytics on the channel, it does tell us that over 50% haven't subscribed. Um, and if you do subscribe, what's the benefit? Well, you get a notification. And that's something that tells you when the shows are coming on. And I know a lot of you like to watch the show live so you can interact in the chat. So please hit the subscription button. If it's a New Year's resolution, just do it. Just do it now. Don't wait until New Year. Just do, do that and it will be good. It helps us out massively. Okay. Thanks very much to everybody who has already subscribed. As I say, I would love to get to 50,000. Be nice to get there before the end of the year. Don't think it's going to happen. But you never know. Never say never. Uh, Doug Hall asked a question earlier. He said, uh, would you like to have Trippier stay on at the club in some uh, some other capacity after he retires? Because he's a real professional. Well, Doug, simple answer from me is yes. And I'm presuming it'll be the same answer from Steve and from Keith. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, any any player who, when he comes to the end of his career, has something extra to add uh, to the football club can only be of benefit. We've seen it at, uh, at West Ham where they've just installed um, ex-players and I think that it, it, it's it's only on the positive side. I think it's something Newcastle haven't done in the past. We've let ex-players go, uh, and we know that they have an awful lot of, of experience and knowledge, um, whether it's working with youngsters, whether it's in a in a, a, a presidential capacity, um, whatever. But, yeah, absolutely. It, it all depends on whether that's the sort of direction Kieran would want to go in when his career ends. But I don't think... Career, uh, that that Kieran's looking at towards the end of his career just yet. I think he's thinking he's got another few years in front of him before uh, he starts having to go down that uh, that channel. Yep, Trippier to stay on at the club after he uh, finishes playing, Keith. Million percent, and what he did on crutches when he had his injury and came in the dressing room and followed the team. To me, that was just you know he's he's, he's got Geordie blood in him somewhere. It it, it is significant that 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 he's so committed to the task. He was the first one that came to this venture and bought into it without any clauses, just came in. And to me, the likes of him is the kind of people that want to be behind the scenes, selling this to the, the new people that we're going to try and track. Yeah, okay. Uh, lots of people like talking about your night out. Enjoy your night out, Keith. I hope Karen is going to video your dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to say Luther Vandross. All oh, right, very good. Well, enjoy that, mate. Enjoy that. Chris it's not McCarthy. the real Luther. Luther's dead, but it's, it's yeah. And I've seen I've seen him twice, and uh, he's a bus driver from London, and I uh, met him, and he's he's outstanding. He's he's you he, he wouldn't be able to tell the difference on stage. He's he's the exceptional bloke. So I've come to Newcastle to watch him tonight. Great stuff. Um, Chris McCarthy, welcome back. Just read your message there. It's never good to hear when people are struggling with mental health. I've, I've just done a little bit about it earlier on today, mate, actually, uh, on the, at the start of the show, which you probably won't have seen. Um, but yeah, look, hope you're well, mate, and good to have you back in the chat. And as yeah. you say, good to watch the shows again. Does anyone think we need another strike in case Wilson gets injured? I think we all do. Um, and again, we're talking about the transfers, you know, the potential ins and outs. I think um, Maxi, as well, has got people, um, you know, licking their lips in anticipation when he says you don't know what you know wait and see what's coming um you know i can imagine newcastle will will bring in players in both windows so um yeah it's it's, it's exciting it really really is um and gary says first drink of the weekend many more to come everyone in the chat have a great weekend most of all uh, can we check on Henry vulnerable people in your community which is yeah. a great shout mate um if you have got next door neighbors or people across the street 
um, you know, do check in on them because this is a horrendous time at the moment uh, with weather. I know the weather's going to break, but um, even just people who are a little bit lonely, um, is, you know, it's, it's a key to going to see these people is, is very, very important. Um, thanks, as always, as well on Twitter to Paul Tweedy, who's just uh, sent us an inbox saying, give it a mention, Steve, that Tomorrow's Friendly is going to be stream, uh, streamed uh, live and free on NUFC TV. Well, of course, with it being a friendly, that's uh, great news for those people who can't travel, uh, those people who are um, expats or whatever. Great for people who are even housebound get a chance to see it. John Ball, my um, former Sunday League uh, manager, assistant manager, goalkeeper. Uh, good evening, mate. He says, uh, come January, do you think there's a place for Wood? Oh, John, man. You know, I, I, I always, I'm always going to say that. When Isaac is back fit, but also, do you think uh, about a move out for Elliot Anderson? That's a good. That's a good one. Well, I think Chris Wood will stay, and I think Eddie Howe has more or less said that. So let's look about Elliot Anderson. Would you loan him out, Steve? Uh, no, I think that Elliot Anderson has uh, and will have plenty of opportunities uh, during, as the season progresses. Um, whether it's coming off the bench, and there will be occasions, cup games, for example, we might see him start on on Tuesday night. Who knows? Uh, then we've got the FA Cup coming up. Um, Elliot is. Is a super talent. I don't want the talent being wasted. Uh, I want to see him wearing a black and white shirt and playing for Newcastle United. Um, the, there's there's benefits and there's issues. I think with with going on loan, um, he did really well, and I know that that he didn't want to go to to Bristol City. It said, you know, it's it's a well known fact that he thought that dropping down to that level wasn't for him. Um, and he was reluctant to go, but uh, listening to to Shola when he was when he was uh, when we were over in in Saudi, he actually explained that he said, you know, that that Shola's Shola's role in getting a club, and that, that he was all set to go to a championship club, and then it fell through at the last minute, and Elliot was bitterly disappointed, and he had to be pushed to to Joey Barton and to and to Bristol City because the club wanted him to go somewhere. Um, it sounds to me like Elliot wasn't now in the situation because he's part of the first team squad that he was now for his career would be looking to then go back into the into the championship again. So uh, no, I, I'm 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 along along the lines of now Elliot uh, needs to be grasping the opportunity that uh, that the club gave him in the first team. What about you, Keith? Would you loan him out? I wouldn't. No, uh, I think I think that you've got to get another. Sean Longstaff out of, of Anderson, and I think he could go on and be that and more. I think he's, I think he's a, a tremendous talent. I think, I don't think um, things have gone all his way since he's come in. But when I look at the team and I see your people, I'm, I'm thinking like sort of next year. You know, if I was looking at a, a squad next year, I'd rather see Andersons in than Frasers or Murphys them kind of people. You know, Lascelles. I, like like Anderson's got youth on his side. He's one of us, and he I think he's got a, he's got a great ability. And I think this coaching team will bring it out. So no, I wouldn't. Um, I've just got to say something quick. Is I got here at five past five, which I was late on, and I've got to get changed and be somewhere for seven o'clock, which is only a few hundred yards away. So I'm gonna to have to dip out now, lads. But I just didn't want to let you down and. Uh, Thanks for coming on, Keith. I know, and I've got a, I've got a, an appointment tonight as well, mate. So uh, I'm going to dip off as well. So what thanks, we'll do is thanks um, to everybody. Thank you to you, mate. Take care. Thanks a lot. Take care, everybody. See, see, you, see you next, see you next week. week.
Great to have Keith on, as always. No loan yeah. for Elliot, please. No loan for Foden. No loan for Pools, Elliot. Keep him near the first team. The likes of Trips and Bruno will rub off on him. Good point, Sean. Mark says he hasn't really shone when he's had the chance. Talent is clear, but it just hasn't happened for him when he's played. Needs a goal up his backside to get it going. Um, yeah, has Fraser left the club? No, he hasn't. But uh, obviously, he is keen on on going. Uh, well, led to believe if you if you believe the papers. So um, yeah, th- there's business to be done. Somebody mentioned earlier that there'll be, you know, players. There will be players, popular players, who will eventually leave, and that's just football. That's the way it works, Steve, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we've seen it. You know, all the way through. That you know, players they they four or five years and then they move on. Some players last seven or eight, some spend their entire career at a club. Um, yeah, but there will be players that will move on. There'll be players who, you know, they've, they've had their opportunity and haven't been able to grasp it. There'll be players where that other clubs are looking at and saying, you know, we can we can do business. We'll have agents that will be touting. You mentioned Fraser there. Um, Matt Ritchie's another one, I suppose. Uh, Paul Dummett. Um, they're all players on the periphery and you're, you're, you're looking at it and thinking where they're going, um, what's going to happen to them. Are they are they still part of the squad or would would it be young, fresh talent that would bring in to be squad players rather than guaranteed first eleven? So these are all this is all the, the permutations that'll be playing out behind the scenes with Eddie Howe and uh with his with his his team uh, and Dan Ashworth when they're looking to to really, really um press forward. Um it's a it, somebody put up a question before, what do you think will will hold us back, um, if anything? I suppose one of the things is injuries. Uh, the other things in players un, unhappy, and there's always be always be players that are unhappy. Um, that could that could implement, but I think injuries is probably the, the the one thing for Newcastle and the strength, the depth of our squad, and whether we've got the quality to come in to replace the quality that's injured. I think that's probably the only thing that you would say um, that always impacts a club like Newcastle. Um, in the situation when you get into the top three and then you're trying to to consolidate or trying to push forward, I think that's that's where it'll be. Um, you hear it though at all clubs. You're hearing it at Liverpool. Oh, we haven't got the depth. You know, we haven't got the depth to, to manage the the 55 or 60 games that we're going to have to play this season, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it, it, that'll always be an excuse. But I think with Newcastle, that'll be the one thing um, that could catch up on us uh, towards the end of the season injuries and then not having the quality to come in and maybe that answers the question of will we replace uh, or will we bring someone in uh, that can step in for Fraser uh, sorry for Wilson if he if he gets injured as a main striker and perhaps that's when maybe he's, you wouldn't they wouldn't necessarily bring someone in but that's where Isak comes and it's a change of style a change of technique a change of of the way that there that Eddie Howe sets the team up might be the only way that he can get round that if he can't bring a, a young up and coming striker who's willing to to be there as an understudy for for Wilson OK, we've got a friendly tomorrow, Steve. Let's finish off on that. Um, obviously, Newcastle taking on Rio Vallecano. Not an easy game. Um, uh, let's no. face it. These these aren't any... Uh, they're not great shakes, but they're, you know, they're sitting mid-table. Um, none of Newcastle's World Cup representatives are expected to feature, but Callum Wilson and Kieran Trippi and Bruno are all now back training at Darcy Park. So one would imagine they'll be available for the uh, more important game on Tuesday night. Isaac and Emil Kraft are both continuing their rehabilitation from injury but aren't ready to play yet. Matt Target, Carl Dolo, Matt Ritchie, Paul Dummett all travelled to Riyadh with the squad but didn't feature. Uh, with the exception of Dummett, uh, all were seen in training on Wednesday. Uh, also taking part in the session, 
uh, were Chris Wood and Joe Linton, who both came off with knocks, of course, in the 5-0 win over Al-Hilal. As for the visitors, Senegal midfielder Patha Cisse was uh, Rio's sole representative at the World Cup. He played 45 minutes of the 3-0 defeat by England. Um, they have had a few friendlies, though, in the build-up to the game against us. Uh, they drew 1-1 in a friendly away to La Liga side Real Sociedad. Uh, that followed a training camp game in Turkey, uh, where they had kickabouts against Fenerbahce, where they lost 3-1. And Galatasaray, where they won 1-0. Uh, Ex-Newcastle defender Florian Lejeune is part of uh, their squad. Um, somebody said he was cup-tied. might have been John, uh, well, not uh, ineligible to play. I'm not so sure that is the truth. No. Um, I think he'll be allowed to play. Uh, tomorrow would be nice to give him a good, resp- uh, a, you know, a good round of applause if he is there because he was a decent servant. Injury, of course, curtailed, you know, his career at St James's Park, and there's been a bit of PR and a bit of, uh, you know, a, bit, a few interviews kicking about with him. Don't forget as well, the League Cup tie has been rescheduled to Tuesday, seven forty-five kickoff uh, on Tuesday night. But tomorrow's game kicks off at half past twelve. Uh, so don't be doing your usual pre-match routine and missing the game yeah. altogether. Uh, it is a half past twelve kickoff. Um, so, uh, Steve, what are you expecting from tomorrow? I'm expecting uh, Eddie Howe to to be looking at the game with a view to to Tuesday. To be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. I think a, a, exactly what was said in the in the run through there. The players that perhaps won't feature, not just the World Cup players, but the players that suffering from a few knocks. Um, I think Chris Wood. They said it was a back uh, spasm or a back injury. Uh, took a took a bit of a, a fall, um, and then it was a, a, a apparently a, a, just a muscle twinge, and it, and uh, Joe Linton came off as a, very much as a precaution. It was interesting as well to note that um, when we're over there in Saudi, that uh, what a great first half uh, Murphy had, and then he was taken off in the second half and and brought Fraser on. Um, I think I think Murphy's certainly ahead of Fraser in the pecking order at the moment. I think Eddie Howe likes likes uh, Murphy. I think uh, listening to Murphy when we were there, um, chatting to him, listening to the conversation he had, and and during the Q and A, he's a, he's now a bubbly character. He's not the shy lad that he was when he first signed. Um, he's bulked up as well, and it it. He's, he's, you can tell he's enjoying his football and he's enjoying being part of Newcastle United setup. So I think I think it'll be it'll be very much a, a, a chop and change game. I think there'll be players coming in. I think somebody said will Carriers start? Yes, wouldn't be surprised if he did. Um, Pope's obviously not available. Not sure on the fitness of Carl Darlow. Um, so it'd be great opportunity for Carriers and then perhaps again on 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 Tuesday night. Um, so I think it'll be very much, a, like I say, a chop and change. Uh, lots of substitutions in the second half. Players getting the run around. Players getting the, especially in the cold, because um, it will be bitterly cold again. Make sure you're wearing your hat, Steve. Uh, yes. Mine. <laughs> okay. But I think just looking forward to being back at St James's Park after what's been what a six weeks layoff. Yeah, that's the key, and that's yeah. the key. And uh, looking forward to the more important game coming up on Tuesday. Okay. Time to finish off with Julie's favourite part of the show. And thank you, Noah, for returning back to the good old faithful, mate. Thank you very much, mate. Another one, another one on my block list, but it means I can play the cat.
that's it. Uh, been a fantastic show. Thanks to Keith. Thanks to Steve. And uh, look forward to uh, seeing you again again next week, guys. We'll um, try and get it on. Maybe he's, I don't know Thursday. Maybe we'll see. But we'll we'll work something out. But we'll definitely have an amigos next week. I'm not going to pre-record it because I know people enjoy it live. So uh, we will sort something out via WhatsApp, Steve. But have a good weekend. See you tomorrow, yeah. mate. And you take care. Bye, everyone. Thank you.